Hi, this is Clay from The Fish Nerds. This episode is very special because it's my first time trying to mix the show myself. The content is good, but the mix is kind of rough. Please bear with us as I figure this out. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fish Nerds. It's the latest about fish, fishing, and eating fish. That's Dave. <laughs> I'm Dave. And I'm Clay. And anything is fair game, and it's a good bet that this podcast is going to be a very different show in the upcoming months. It's already started off differently. It's already uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we have not made a show in a long time. It has been a long time. Well, the summer is a weird sort of time vortex. It's hard to it's hard to keep track of time in the summer. It, indeed. And I was gone all summer at summer camp, and you were busy getting your kid off to college. Yeah, I know. Go figure. It's crazy. But, you know, here we are. Yeah. But, but we have been fishing recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an, an epic tale. I do. I do. Now, Dave, you and I have long time been trying to catch fish the worst place in the state of new hampshire called silver lake <laughs> it was like one of our first couple of outings out there yeah we've been out and we we spent entire winter there trying to catch a lake whitefish yes so let me yep. read you what new hampshire fish says about silver lake <laughs> yes. all right now first of all it's uh this is the deepest lake in new hampshire Although Silver Lake is managed for both smallmouth bass and lake trout fishing, it's the smallmouth bass that excel here. Smallmouth bass were first stocked here in 1951, and according to the New Hampshire Fishing Game Department survey, have established a good fishery. Chain pickerel, yellow perch provide good ice fishing, but many fish- fishermen overlook the yellow perch and chain pickerel in favor of the lake trout. Um, it says, uh, now yearling rainbow trout are stocked. The seven-mile shoreline are moderately developed, heavily wooded, forest the forest plus the nearby mountains make this a scenic lake. Uh, now, it sounds good, right? Well, it's very carefully worded. Right. It, it, it's like a political speechwriter wrote this. Exactly. So, yeah, for instance, it says, you know, smallmouth bass and lake trout are managed in the lake. doesn't say they're in the lake. Right. <laughs> it says the lake is managed for those fish. Exactly. And then it goes on to say, of those two fish, the smallmouth bass excels. Now, that's just a relative thing. It's not saying that the smallmouth bass fishing is great. It says compared to the lake trout fishing, it's great. Uh, and I would probably agree with that. <laughs> I, would probably, I would probably agree with that, too, because there are two smallmouth bass in that lake and only one lake trout. And, only, and I'm sure that's accurate. In fact, I'm, I yeah. would bet you there's a study somewhere that indicates that. So here's how we know this. Uh, now, <laughs> my friend Vinny and I. Uh, Vinny! Vinny, Vinny. Uh, Vinny and I have been trying to catch lake trout in that lake all fall. We've been about seven times out. We've landed one fish, had three hookups, and that's it. Now, this time of year on a good lake trout lake, you like Tim Moore fishing at Winnipesaukee, you're catching 20 and 30 fish a trip. Yeah. And yeah for us, one fish is way exciting. <laughs> right, really exactly. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, so this past Monday, Labor Day, I decided to get as many people on the water as I could with as much electronics as possible to really find out once and for all, 
are the lake trout in that lake stacked up like cordwood, like in other lakes? Right. So, with me on this trip, Vinny came again. Nick from Diana's Bath Salts, the uh, uh, guitar player from that band, came. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rich Collins, a uh, fish nerd friend, came. Uh, yep. And super fan Ryan Dubay came. And everyone had fish finders in their boats. Yeah, it was, it was like a Navy operation, a yes. naval operation. Yes. And we're paddling out to this spot. And all I hear is Ryan saying, "There's, I've never seen a fish, a lake with less fish in it. You need to find it. It's like, I don't see anything. There's just water here. And, <laughs> and sure enough, for about three hours, all we caught was water. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty water. It's beautiful, wet water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had to pee. And I, you know, I can't <laughs> pee off the side of the boat because I'm pee shy. So we paddled yeah. up to a little island, and I'm, I'm going to the bathroom on the island, and it's in a shallow, rocky area. And Ryan says, I'm going to switch to, uh, to bass lures now. And he looks at his sonar, and he goes, I see one on a hump. And he drops a jig down, and boom, a monster smallmouth bass right there. Oh, got, cool. I've got great shots of him catching it on his – he'll be happy if I say on his feel-free kayak. Oh, why, why would he be happy about that? He's a, I guess he's a rep for them. Yeah, pro staff. Pro staffer, yeah. So, and, and even the paddle, he was telling me all about the paddle, and I have no idea. I, I, I forgot what he said about the paddle, but I guess it's really good. So, oh, okay. Good. <laughs> that's all it, I know it, about it. And a cool boat. It paddles. It paddles, good. whatever. So he, he caught he caught a fish, and he, he caught the only fish. That, now, at this point in the day, is the only fish we saw, and he kept saying things, hey, guys, is this a, this a good fish? And we're all like, <laughs> yes, Ryan, it's a good fish. But I mean, like, so for like, New Hampshire standards, is this good? I don't know, because I don't know. And you're like... It's like when you play poker with someone who's never played before, and I go like, I got uh, 10 kings. Is that a good hint? You know, <laughs> no? <laughs> ten kings. Is it really? I, I don't know. I, I've never done this before. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just, maybe I'm just winning my win. Did I win? Huh? Yeah? I got a million dollars? Yeah? So, <laughs> anyway. And then uh, coming into shore, we had to go home because my wife had strep throat. Coming in, oh, no. Vinny was casting a spinnerbait. You know, those big giant, you know, bass spinnerbaits, the Lady Gaga looking thing. Oh, yeah, like with the big rubber skirt and all. Exactly. Caught a monster rainbow trout <laughs> at the boat ramp. <laughs> at the boat ramp? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that was our day. It was terrible. So we're, we put the lake to bed. We decided it's not a good place to fish. Yeah, but that's not going to stop you. No, because someone told me it's a good place for burbot in the wintertime. Yeah. Yeah. So... And you're a sucker. Uh, it's so it's such a pretty place. And it's so it's the only deep lake close to my house. It is it is an incredibly beautiful lake. And I just think if I could just figure out where on that lake the fish live, I'm going to win. Yeah, but I'm, it's true. I'm not going to win, Dave. <laughs> um, I think it was amazing. You the, you took the Navy flotilla out, and it was on um, Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. And it didn't look like it was all that busy out there. Well, because no one, everyone else has fished it, and they know there's no fish there. <laughs> like, why are they going to get up early? We were gone by eight o'clock, so <laughs> all the recreational boaters are out, you know, at ten after breakfast because there's nothing to wake up early for there. What's the point? <laughs> is, I'm going to get up early and look at loons. You can look at them all day. <laughs> so. Well. Uh, yep, I, I think it, you gave it the, the best shot, though. I mean, you know, hauling all those great fishermen out with sonars. So mm-hmm. oh, maybe and, you're just. And, and I got a sonar, too. And I, it's the kind that hooks up to a trolling motor. Oh, yeah. And so what I did was I, I took the, the uh, mount for his trolling motor and I hooked it to a soda bottle. And I <laughs> threw it in the water next to the boat because, and, and, like, a portable sonar now. Yeah. Yeah, it worked that- perfect. 
Nice. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Way to DIY it. Oh, and then then I took it, took it, and I put it in the boat while we were paddling around. Yeah. And it turns out the the sonar can shoot right through the boat's hull anyway. Like it was all. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Seemed like a good idea. Completely unnecessary. You can apparently you can just drop it in a pot of water, you know, bowl of water on the deck of the boat. You know, work fine. And it'd be good. Oh wow. So yeah, very good. I sure read the directions. Directions, some actions. That's right. Anyway, so how about you? Been Uh, fishing? I have been. I went fishing with Hermione. Oh, from Harry Um, Potter. Yeah. No, it was the um, the tropical storm that came up, and I guess it's pronounced Hermine. That's how the the Noah people pronounce it. Yeah. Noah also pronounces Noah. Noah. So. That's true. So, uh, but it was the remnants of her mine, which is, I guess, 250 miles offshore now. But it's blowing in big, big waves, like nine footers off the coast. So, did you surf? I didn't, but there were there were people out there surfing, and uh, I tell you, there's few hard harder core people than New England surfers. Well, because they're, they're they they dedicate themselves all summer to surfing tiny waves. Right. And then the big waves come, and they're like six-foot waves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest. <laughs> well, and the, the amazing thing that gets me is they love to surf, the, like the real diehards, love to surf the nor'easters in the winter. Oh, man. And they will. They all, they all have wetsuits on, you know, top to bottom. And I've seen them out there in a complete blizzard. Like, you can't. They paddle offshore, and you, you lose sight of them because it's snowing so hard. Yeah. And they're out there surfing. Yeah. So. Well, and they would uh, laugh at us for ice fishing, the same thing. I mean, it's. I suppose, but it's not really. I mean, I really admire these folks. Uh, Bunch of pot smokers, by the way. I was going to say, you got to numb your brain a little bit before you head out there. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I went out there. I was the only one fishing it because I had read that stripers really like when the whitewater comes in because it's kind of disorienting all the bait fish. And there's apparently a lip. Right where the big waves crash and hit the shore, it's like a little trough that is dug out that the stripers apparently go up and down. Cool. And I know. I was like, hey, that's cool. So, which so all, well, I went out. I put on my waders because I didn't want to have to worry about getting wet. But I, I wasn't going to get in the water because I, I had no desire to die after getting you know washed out to sea. Right. Um, but and it was it was really spectacular, I must say. At, the problem was there it was so agitated the water that there was tons and tons of seaweed in the water. So I would get a cast off and I would be able to fish it maybe twenty seconds, and then it would just start to bog down. That's um, yeah, it did suck. But um, it was really impressive to be there, and, and some of these waves coming in would be well over your head, maybe twenty feet ahead of you. And they're, they're cresting and they're crashing. And uh, there was one, you know, there's always this rogue wave, right? That there's normal wave, normal wave, and all of a sudden this big one comes out of nowhere. And there was one that swamped me and almost dropped me down. Um, oh, that's too bad. I was hoping it would knock you over. <laughs> it was very, very close. But um, the other thing I really like about this beach, now, and I didn't go to any of the sand beaches. I went to the Pebbly Rock Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like... You know those rain sticks? Yes. Yeah, where you turn them over and they go... Every wave sounded like that. The whole shore was basically moving and clattering and clacking. I can't imagine how loud it must have been underwater. But uh, but no fish, unfortunately. No, that, that's kind of the story of your striper fishing this whole summer, isn't it? 
it, it has been, except where I go with Tim Moore. We totally dialed in, you know, right away. But, um, yeah, this year I've been trying to fish a little warmer water than I think I ought to. Um, but hopefully this fall it's going to turn around and I'll be able to, to get them as they, as they follow the herring because there's a zillion herring. And the other interesting thing that's happened. So in my hometown, they removed the dam. Oh, damn. I know. And the river almost, it just dried up, you know, with this drought that we're having. Yeah. There's like no water going down. Is this the Squamscott or the Exeter? Well, so it's the Exeter. It used to be the Exeter until it hit the dam and then it became the Squamscott. Now it's the Exeter and I guess where it's not tidally influenced. So it's right around the same spot. Okay. Um, but remember when we, where we caught that eel? Yeah. You know, where the, um, the cannons are in that park? Mm hmm. There's no water there now. Oh, <laughs> it's just gone. Insane. Well, I guess that's what dams do, right? They hold water. Yeah. And uh, I went out there, I think it was yesterday, just to kind of survey the place and see it. And the place was crawling with um, metal detector people. Oh, because that place has not been accessible for years. Right. Oh, and now it's full of garbage. They can find stuff. They love it. And there are a few funnier people than metal detector people. Yeah, Cousin Ron is a metal metal detecting nerd. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So carries around a little shovel and oh, he totally does. He 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 wears shirts about metal detecting and all this stuff. So <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. What 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 would some of the slogans be like? You know, you attract me or no? His shirt he was wearing had a, like it had two panels of cartoon. The first one had like a woman yelling at him, mm -hmm. and then the second one had him with headphones on, like a like a stick figure with headphones on and a and a metal detector, and it said "problem solved." Oh, yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very good. By the way, he's lucky to be married at all. Have that hobby. It, it <laughs> wait, lucky to be married at all with what? With that hobby. Oh, like, that's, that's a hobby you're supposed to pick up after you've closed a deal. Like <laughs> you don't go on Tinder. And go, yeah, my hobbies include male detecting and uh, talking about male detecting and uh, right wing politics. Like that just <laughs> does not get you dates. Like magic that he got married at all. That's true. He was doing this prior to being married. Really? Yeah. Wow. Kept, kept him single for years. I bet it did. Yeah. Think of the money he saved. Uh, well, I know. That's true. Until he met a, a woman that had lost something. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I lost yeah, my wow. George B Bush pin. Can you go find that for me? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Hey, I love you. Yeah, perfect. Uh, <laughs> Well, good, good for it. That's Uncle Ronnie or Cousin Ronnie? Cousin Ronnie. Oh, Cousin remember Ronnie. Remember, he went yeah. out fishing during the quest. He was wearing that rancid I hat. Absolutely remember Cousin Ronnie. Sang uh, classic rock tunes the whole time. Yeah, big karaoke guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the kind of yeah, guy who does karaoke by himself with his own CDs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not joking. <laughs> like, how does he get married? <laughs> Well, you know, they say there's a fish in the sea for everybody, I suppose. I guess so. Well, anyway, mm. I'm glad everyone's doing good. <laughs> anyway, so so that's that's the rundown from a from a long hiatus. F and West. <laughs> F and West. I like those guys. Yeah, Fish Guy Josh, the amazing James from California. Uh, fish Guy Josh went to Peru, Dave. Peru. Peru. That's somewhere south of New Jersey, and that exceeds my global knowledge at this point. 
Although there's a Peru, Indiana. Ah, also don't know anything <laughs> in the middle of the country. So <laughs> okay, yeah. middle of the country. Who lives in Indiana? <laughs> no one. <laughs> no one. There's no ocean nope. there. That is true. Yeah. So anyway, he went to Peru and he made a story for us. Amazing. That's crazy. <laughs> So you can't hear me talking into the microphone right now, right? Yeah. Okay. Amazing James. Fish guy Josh! How's it going, man? Oh, it's going good. How are you, man? I'm doing okay. Yeah? It's, uh... It's been a very long it's summer. Been, yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, uh, some good, some bad, but you know, yeah. strikes and gutters, ups and downs. That's how it goes. Yeah, uh, some of it's been fun. Um, yeah. A lot of um, night surveys on the electro fishing boat. We we're finishing up. Well, we're kind of in the middle of stream surveys right now out in the creeks. I've I, I've seen I've seen it. I've been improving the overtime. I know. <laughs> Actually, you've, you've, been busy. you've been approving the the shift differential. Sorry, the so shi- the twenty five percent shift differential. I've, I've been getting paid to work nights, basically. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. It is nice, uh, but it's yeah, it's been pretty tiring. But um, you know, looking forward to a couple weeks here in the summer of just special projects, and then gearing up for a mobile fish exhibit in the fall. Miffy, yeah, yay, Miffy. What we you been up to besides oh. besides Pokemon? Besides Pokemon, collecting my Magikarp. Mm. That are you know. Yeah. Oh, all the Pokemon people in my park, man. Yeah. Outside my bedroom window at 3 a.m. It's really exciting. Yeah, there's there's no cell signal at my house. In You're the very park. lucky. You're very so lucky. So there is no Pokemon Go. In no, I get I get the people that are drunk at like 2 a.m. running back between you know the Pokestops right outside my bedroom window. you yelling, oh my god, a Magikarp! You've got a lot of people. 27 in spots the in the in the park. It's great. It's oh, great. it's 27. I thought 27. it was like 12. No, and they all said like, oh, it'll die off by the end of the summer. No. Mm. No, it's still That's going strong. Still going strong. Anyway, uh, I've been um, I've been collecting my fish beers, fish beers, fish beers, as yeah. in like yellowtail, pale ale, etc. Yeah, that kind of stuff. About? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just decided it would be fun to collect beers that were named after fish. So, are so. you collecting the bottle, a six pack? What's your? I, I are you know, drinking? My it strategy is just to collect bottle? them for now and then then drink them all in one shot. Although oh. I'm up to about like uh, maybe fifteen or twenty mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Half of them are ballast point. So yeah. That was our, uh, we had a very tropical fish theme for our wedding, yeah. Lauren and I. And uh, Yes, you did. The beers available at the bar were all Ballast Point and they were all fish themed. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Huh? Well, you, I don't remember that. You must have partaken in my... Uh, I probably had a few too many of them. That or my, my very popular groomsman, or grooms uh, drink, the... Uh, there the, was the sweet tea I, vodka and lemonade. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, I do. I do remember that somehow. Somehow. I like honestly. I am surprised <laughs> I remember anything about that night. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. I digress. Okay. Yes. Okay. Onwards. What are we talking about? Uh, we are finally getting to hear the piece I did uh, out in Peru. Um, Lauren in- and I took a trip out to the Florida Springs and <laughs> piggyback that right onto a group tour we've never done before where yeah. you're out with a bunch of other people uh and we went out to peru we uh explored a bunch of different areas 
And this was the relevant fish nerds portion where we went to Lake Titicaca. Lake what? And Titicaca. Oh, okay. And so um, I just wanted to hear you say it again. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> well, they they actually <laughs> they have a saying there that um, Peru is the the Titi side and Bolivia is Ooh. the Titi side. Ooh. Their little country rivalry. Oh, that's um, messed up. But this is uh, this is some <laughs> sound from the Uros, which are people that live on floating islands yeah. made of reeds. And um, basically, when the Incas were conquering all the other local tribes, uh, they decided to not give in to the Incas, not pay the tax and join the tribe, but rather float away yeah. and live their life out on the island, which they still live on today i heard a rumor that google's trying to do that (laughs) (laughs) maybe i don't know so you had this guide that was with you i overheard yeah so cesar was our guide he's a little hard to understand so i'll I'll may have to clarify a few things after each clip but um so first he's gonna tell us a little bit about the totora reed which is the reed that the uros people survive because of cool okay what these people need to be the floating island they need this root to build a floating island. This is the root of the reef. This is the reef, Totora, we call the reef. This is the root. The people, they peel this. Like the banana, they said the banana of the floating island, they said. Many children, many people are living. All the people living in the high plateau, we eat this because this this reed has a lot of iodine. Huh? This is like the lettuce. Huh? We can eat. Would you like to try? <laughs> the Tutura reed. So this is this is what their whole life revolves around. So wait, 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 wait. have you ever eaten cattail? Cattail? No, I have not eaten cattail. It's you, you know, it's actually like it was also like a North American. I imagine it's yeah. kind of similar to this. I, it like, probably is. Yeah. Um, basically, this is kind of like our local um, tule plants here on the coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a hollow reed. You crack it open, as he's explaining, and mm-hmm. you eat the inner white part. Yep. Um, so they they use this for everything. Uh, they eat it, like you said, kind of like their lettuce. It's how they get their iodine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also, Lauren took a great picture. Um, they place it on your head for headaches so they take the inner heart of the tutura reed stick it on your head and i put my hat over it and wore it all day and that was supposed to alleviate any headaches i might get so oh you, so you might get that you might get yeah it's well it's supposed to help once you have the headache but i yeah. thought i'd cover yeah. my bases just in case just in case because you drank um, too much the night before yeah yeah okay um but they also um basically uh, once we learned about the reed's importance um cesar went into the explanation of how it's actually used to make the islands cool Two seasons here in the high plateau. The raining season and dry season. The dry season, which is from the April to November. The level of the water of this lake is low, so the root of the reed are tied to the bottom of the lake in the shallow part. In the raining season, the level of the lake rises. The root of the reed comes up in the soil. The root are floating. The people know that. They go to take one's many pieces. All the roots I have found, I have together. Huh? It is one block, this is another block, another block. And the people, they have to tie. And She said my island has 16 blocks. 
this. In each block there is a one stick. And they tie. They, they tie the root of the reed. The root of the reed. In the rainy season. In the rainy season. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> basically, um, this whole time, uh, Cesar is translating the native language of their local. Each island has a president. Mm-hmm. So she is she? explaining to us. She. The presidents are women. They're always women. I'm just not going to say anything. Um, she. But not say yeah, anything. Does that mean I'm saying something? Don't say anything. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> She <laughs> explains to us. I'm glad we waited um, from February to do this. Timing's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so she's explaining to us the process of building the island, and and Cesar is translating that from his uh, Native American, or I guess yeah, Native American, yeah, Native American, American, absolutely Native American language yeah. into English, which is his second language or third language actually. Wow. So it's a little rough to understand, but basically what he's saying is. Um, in the rainy season, these big root wads of the reed float. You're a root and that's wad. when they go, you're a root wad. And that's when they, uh, they collect them, bring them to the island. They bind them together in these big blocks. Uh-huh. And they're essentially, um, they're essentially creating like buoys to, to hold up um, the, the other parts of the island. Yeah. Um, so, so, so he's explained that these blocks... Uh, of the reed, the root masses, like I said, they're essentially the buoys for the island. And so now um, he's going to go into how they lay like massive layers of reeds across the blocks to to actually form the island. His family will bring the reed, and after we'll put on the island. First, we put in this position, and after we will put in another position. Huh? Y después and after we have to play said. We, we play the volleyball and the football said. Soccer we play them here. To compact the island very well. Huh? To make the island. Yeah? And after we put the house. So again I'll 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 translate for the translator. Um, <laughs> basically, they take the upper portions of the reeds now mm-hmm. that they have their buoy blocks in yep. place, and they start crisscrossing like massive stacks of these reeds, and then they literally play sports on them to to smash down the reeds. and And what you end up with your final pro- uh, your final product is they're literally these floating islands of reed mats that are held up deep underneath by you know, I That's think their island, I think she said they had something like 12 to 16 buoys that are just made of the actual root mass. Right. And that's like 12 to 16, like, games that they played. Like that, that's <laughs> the coolest thing. They built their houses, what, playing soccer or something? Well, they, they build the houses afterwards. What they're basically well, I mean, the, doing, the they're sorry. making yeah. the flat land sure. section of the island sure. by literally playing sports on it. Right. And, and playing and having a good time. And How cool is that? It and How cool is that? They're, they're a... These What's people are like, like we, super stoked on life. We don't uh, do anything like that. As as poor as they seem or may be, and, right. and sometimes you might feel bad for some of the things that you have that they don't. They Cesar was really adamant about repeating just how much like they're these happy. guys enjoy life. Right. Like they're they're happy because they sort of they literally broke off from society, uh-huh. even though it was Inca, ancient Incan society, sure. and they just do their own thing. Right. And it, it was it was really interesting to hear how they 
that process came about of building the actual island. Um, question. Yes. How do they poop? <laughs> Funny you should ask that. Um, that's a pretty common question when you see these people living on isolated floating islands. And um, well, Actually, I should rephrase. Not how do they poop, but where do they poop? Well, Cesar will explain. They have behind the house where grow the reeds. They have a small island. This is the venue, the small island. Mm-hmm. Huh? But to do the PP is on the island. Here they do the PP. This is like the future. The island has uh, six six uh, six feet of the six feet has of thickness. Huh? One one. Uh, Three feet is the root, another three is the root. Has six feet. Huh? They do the PP, they don't have a problem. Huh? But to do the poo poo is in the small island. But these people, they make the fire with the roots. Huh? Huh? I want to go to the banyo. First, I have to take the ashes. I will take the boat, I will go to the banyo. I did the poo poo. These ashes will put on the poo poo and after with the roots. Mm-hmm. No go to the lake because these people they they use this water to prepare the lunch. They drink the water mm-hmm. of the lake. Um so wait, if I get this straight, they they use the ashes from their fires to bury their poo on the island? Uh not on their island. So on their neighbor's island. No no no. They the pres- the that, next door president that would be an act of war. The next door president's island? No. Oh. Um, we don't poop on other people's so, <laughs> islands? No. Oh, you don't okay. poop. Rule, rule one of Uro's Club is you don't poop on other people's islands. Okay. Um, no, what they do is, like you said, the, the island itself, which again speaks to like how intricate this is, there, there are three feet of root wad and three feet of reeds. So they basically go number one on their home island, kind of off in the corner, and that naturally filters through all the reeds and roots. Sure. But then they literally make a single block floating outhouse that they tie off to their main island. They create ashes on their home island in their little cooking area where they have fire. Mm-hmm. They take those ashes with them to the outhouse yeah. on the boat. They do their business. They put the ashes on top and then they add reeds on top of that so that it all naturally decomposes within the the reed island and not directly into the water. It's so is that like more than six feet deep? Because it seems like it probably would be if they did that. I mean, how many people live on an island and how many times a day does someone add to that? Well, island? I'm sure they, I'm, I'm sure th- they're annually replacing sections of their island. So I'm sure as an outhouse meets its, its yeah. end and it's slowly stacked with more reeds, more reeds, more reeds, it, they'll eventually just replace it. I don't, what they do with that, I don't know. Yeah, I was, but, I was um, thinking, like, I have all sorts of questions that I could ask that I, yeah. you probably don't. Uh, as long as it's still floating, in theory, it's just going to continue to break down the well, waste. Like, what if it doesn't float anymore? Like, what if it what if it falls apart? Like, what do you do? Then you probably have, you probably don't drink the water from that oh, particular channel, I guess. For a long time. <laughs> Did you drink any water while you were there? Hell no. <laughs> I don't know how I'd feel about that. Hell no. <laughs> um, okay, so, so we sort of hit up. Uh, a brief history of the of the people and what they do. Um, so let's get to the good stuff, the fish stuff. The fish stuff. Um, so this was um, this was pretty interesting because everybody else on the tour with me was quite amused at how in a fish I was. Mm-hmm. So there was they were they were pretty amused when they asked about questions, and I was like, okay, let me let me take over the this question is, and answer. Let me section. ask you this: This is in the mountains, right? 
Yeah, this is way up in the mountains. So it's not like it's not like Peruvian rainforest or anything like that. No. It's not. We're not no, going to see peacock bass. No, this is a completely or, different climate than the sure. coastal climate, but also from the Amazon area that that's that's near Peru. So it's actually is it a really dry climate? Yeah, really dry. Uh, not a lot of big storms and waves on the lake itself. It's actually pretty calm. Um, cool. It's it's like an arid lake. Like How deep mount- is it? Arid mountain. Um, I don't recall offhand, but it, it's pretty deep in certain sections. Really deep. And very large? Very large. I mean, it's it's the border between Bolivia and Peru. A certain, certain part of their border is wow. the lake. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, but yeah, so... So now he's going to actually go into Fishies. some of the stuff regarding uh, the fish. Fish time. Do you have any questions about this people? What kind of fishing do they like to do? <laughs> uh, we have, you saw in the magazine, did you see? In the magazine. Yeah, in the fishing guide. We call in our local fish, it's an Aymara language, knowing Spanish. We call Haracha, Ispi. Suchi, Umanto, Kese, Boa, uh, Chaulia, we call in general. All the fishes we call in, in Aymara language, we say Chaulia. We call Chaulia. Huh? Chaulia sounds like food, first of all, but, but was that <laughs> actually you talking? Um, well, me and Cesar, yeah. Hey, wow, wow. You weren't sick or anything. Uh, maybe allergies. I don't know. It was pretty high up in the mountains seriously like yeah. i couldn't even tell it was but yes but that was fish guy josh commenting but you can hear everybody laugh yeah when they said do you have any questions and i was like what kind of fishing do you do and and the right. whole group la- the whole time because everyone knew that you were fishing. Well, like i would wear a shirt with a fish on it like every yeah. day and they were just like what's up with you and fish yeah so they well, were amused but yeah it was my chance to kind of ask what was going on but he he cesar uh, actually made this guy but he has this great guide about uros and the local town there um, and in, in it is this uh, local fishes guide. And so he was going over the, the actual uh, native names of those fish. But basically, Lake Titicaca is made up of a lot of different species of pupfish. And then there's a few small catfish species. And that's really only the, really the only native stuff that they have in the lake. So he was just kind of going over some of those actual names. And maybe when we send this in to um our fish nerd overlords yes overlords. scan a copy of the uh the id sheet you still have it that's cool yeah i'd be curious to see i mean like i mean obviously catfish would be in just about any part of the world yeah uh, really tiny catfish kind of like mad toms that's cool but um yeah it was really cool pupfish um, pup any color to them at all or a lot of different colors yeah because they were cool. they all they all had the similar names yeah. um and it was all just you could tell the difference by color that's awesome um so basically um he, he talked about the local fish, and then uh, next Cesar went into the types of introduced fish that they have there on the lake. And um, he also explained a little bit about the difference, the, the different food preferences of food fish between the tourist and the local. I was going to say, like, you know, do they eat the little mad tom like catfish? Um, he'll, he'll explain. Really? Yeah. We have a trout. The trout was introduced from Canada to the Lake Titicaca. The trout. King fish from Argentina to the Lake Titicaca. This is the local fish. We eat the, the local fish. Yeah? The, we eat. They don't eat the tourists. The tourists not eat the local fish. Because this local fish has many bones stuck in your trout. <laughs> but if you go to the, in the Lima Street in the, in the center of Puno, 
I would like to eat the fish. Oh, only we have the trout or king fish, no local fish. Because the local fish has many bones. But in Cusco, in the lake Chichicaca, we eat a lot of trout, fish the lake. But no guinea pig. The favorite, uh, the typical dish is from Cusco is the guinea pig. No? Mm -hmm. In Cusco, they eat a lot of guinea pig. Yeah. We have in the lake Chichicaca. How much one kilo of one kilo of the chaulia, the local fish, is the five soles. How much one kilo of trout is twelve? Twelve soles. Wow. Okay. So let me get this straight. You go there. You want local fish to eat. They won't give it to you. No, the restaurants don't really serve the local pupfish. It's right. it's more of a you can go to a market maybe. Right. And find where local fishermen are and bringing then, them. And then trout is 12 times as expensive as the local fish. Yeah, the trout and the kingfish, which are imported, wow. they're solely used to feed tourists. They're not really... I mean, locals can buy them as well, but they're so expensive, the locals usually stick to the local fish rather right. than pay that extra money for a trout. Right, I yeah. can imagine. So so did you get to try any, any of the local stuff at all? Um, I didn't get to... Try. They didn't have any prepared, mm -hmm. but they they had some. Um, they had a couple in a in a bowl of water for me, dead, just just so I could see them. Oh wow! Um, and that was. We'll get into it later, but that's. Um, they use it for other purposes besides. I just think you told well. me about this. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to that. Um, so so basically, um, uh, after Cesar was uh, the culture of the Uros to us, uh, we got to traditional boats to go visit sort of the main street island so cool. it's kind of the tourist island where there's um there's a hotel which is just a giant hut and then a restaurant which is another giant hut and um <laughs> on the way there um <laughs> sounds like a really hip, hip place it's a hip place to be um uh, on the way there uh, one of the elderly women of the the island that we were on yeah. uh, she was the one actually rowing the boat and it was really cool because um, an old lady rode your boat around for you. Yeah, and she sh she was struggling a little bit too, and wow. um, they wouldn't let us help. Like we were kind of on this elevated platform, and yeah. her and one of the younger girls yeah. were each each had a giant a giant uh, paddle, and they were rowing. Wow. Yeah, wow. And uh, but it was cool because um, can't you say that's that's badass? That's not yeah. cool. That's badass. Yeah, and um, and so Lauren, my wife, uh, speaks really good Spanish, so. Mm -hmm. She and the elderly lady got to just sit there and sort of have this conversation. Like yeah. she started asking Lauren questions, and once she realized Lauren could speak her language, they just the whole time we were paddling, they were talking. And um, that's cool. So she got to talk to Lauren a little bit and actually dive a little deeper into the fishing culture. And uh, she was also really interested to hear that Lauren and I worked with fish as well. Que sí, yo de de truchas. Sí, trucha grande. Grande como esto? Sí, sí de veras. Sí. Wow. Ellos son big chao. Él le pregunta uh, qué usa para pescar. Para pescar alto red. Sí. Alto red pesca. Si tienes poquito red, no hay pez. Solo cinco peces. Big nets. You only get a few. ¿Qué trabaja usted? Uh, ¿Qué me haces para trabajar? Sí, ¿en qué trabajo? Sí, um, trabajo con peces. ¿Como trucha? Sí. Y él también. Sí. Y él también. 
Yeah. Yep. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she was like super stoked to hear that we worked with fish. And right. like Lauren was saying, um, you guys both work with fish and you work and with she trout. specifically works with trout. Right. So she was really interested to hear that. It, she was super cool. Um, it's amazing. Once, once you realize somebody speaks your language, like right. it well, wasn't just, I'm paddling, putting on a show. Yeah. Um, she was legitimately was like interested in hearing about us. Yeah. And she started asking us about when we got married and how right. old we were. And it makes a huge difference. I've, I've always found it. Like yeah. She, she was super cool. Yeah. But we, um, so basically we, we slowly paddled over to the main, the main street Island. Yeah. And, um, when we got there, there was a fish pen, uh-huh. which I thought was super cool. So again, like I pulled Cesar to the side and kind of took over the tour to ask him what was going on. Um, well, now, this as kind of a sidebar you can actually check out um if you go to the fish guy josh youtube page mm-hmm. um there is a video called uh trucha de los uros this is when you're feeding them? and this is when i'm i'm feeding uh the trout farm yeah and so when i came across that they were really amazed that the that the gopro could go underwater <laughs> and so they they were all they all gathered around to watch me film them and then afterwards um Cesar explained to me a little bit about um what was going on with the trout farm. Yeah. And what was the trout farm for? This is the restaurant. The oh, so farm. they have their own trout farm yeah. on the floating island? Senor, I need this trout, no? With the basket Cesar. Oh, can we look at the farm? Yeah, yeah. Do they catch the trout? Yeah. And put them in here or do they yeah. raise them as babies? Ah, uh, but in in Chucuito, in the south of Puno, there is a piscicultura, the 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 excess of the trout, uh-huh. and the baby they buy one small trout is the twenty cents, twenty cent, ten cent for the small trout. It's the small trout. Okay. They put them the small trout, and after will arrive the adult, no? So they buy the small. A small small uh, young trout and bring them here. Yes. Oh, okay. Here there are two. Trout and king fish. King the fish? king fish is the small and the big is uh, trout. You can see it? There are two, huh? And these were brought brought to Peru, not from Peru? If, uh, they're, they're not uh, native to Peru? No, it's from, uh, trout is from Canada. From, from Canada? Argentina was the king of fish. Oh, okay. Because you said they prefer to eat their local fish? Because it has many bones, our yeah. local fish. And the trout, they don't have They don't have a lot of bones, no? So these fish are for the tourists? <laughs> yeah, it's the more it's only And tourists. they eat the local fish? Yeah. What do they okay. feed the trout? But we have, and normally the people they they cut a local fish. Pieces they cut. Okay. Oh, so they catch local fish and put them in there. Normally, yeah. Okay. Another, they put this. Look, oh, this is the local fish. What's the name of this local fish? Karachi. Karachi. This is the main one they catch. Yeah. Look at that. Huh? In pieces, when the trout is the 24 centimeter, with a knife, they cut it. Okay, now, time out. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say, they're cutting up their local native fish to feed the non-native trout for the tourists. Yeah, because they can't, the fish. Um, you know, it's not like... Yeah, uh, they're not going to be ordering scrittering like stuff or whatever. Trout kibble. Right, yeah. So what they do is they use small nets mm-hmm. um, to catch the local fish, and then... 
some of it they make they keep for their own um their own food is there a and then big some of it they chop up so basically it was like you can hear in the background at yeah. the end there um that was the sound of them feeding the fish and you can hear this like bag wrapper and it's just this plastic bag and it was full of little chunks of little pup, pup, pup fish, fish yeah. the caracha so the caracha are all the different species of pup fish right. they have so there's like a common one they get and they literally throw it in as food i i mean yeah no i get it i just i mean a part of me like the the environmentalist part of me or i, I should even say just ecologist part of me says like wow wow that's kind of messed up yeah. Like here we are feeding native fish to non-native fish for the tourist industry. Because they and that place like I'm sure like the tourist industry is probably a very good thing for these people. Yeah, very good. But I at mean, the same time, but at the same time it's like it's like when I went to the Galapagos and the place is inundated with people. Yeah. And it's like go now before it's gone. Because yeah. it's there the wildlife everything is just going to disappear. Yeah, the, the the Uros basically the 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 majority of of their livelihood now is tourism. Yeah, they don't do a lot of the traditional things they used to do. The fishing and stuff is very. I mean, it. I was I was hoping it'd be a really big part of their culture, but fishing is not huge in their culture. Uh, their traditional way to gather food is a lot of the local waterfowl. Sure, um, they go hunting in these canoes and gather um, eggs. Oh, so and, and some of the some of the eggs they actually raise kind of like chickens. Yeah. To to be basically be their their livestock. So wow. it, it, fishing isn't a huge part of it. The trout the the trout farm isn't a huge part of what they're doing. So sure. this isn't like the main. It's strictly for the for the tourists. So. Yeah, and yeah. and even then, it's not a huge part of what they do for tourists. So right. I mean, it, it's unfortunate that they're using these little pupfish yeah. uh, to feed the trout. But I mean, well, use what you got within I mean, that whole sure. community of island people. They had one small like twelve by twelve net pin full right. of trout and kingfish so yeah, there was one huge, pin for that whole society they right, were using right. yeah correct um but it, it was still it was really interesting it was a, it was a really cool video i got so, so wait did you have trout uh i did in town huh. uh like some of the 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 one of the restaurants was and serving it, it and it likely came from that pond or, or um actually no that that pond is just for their little island restaurant. Gotcha. So it probably came from either fishermen that catch the wild trout. That I- island restaurant, like on a floating island? Yes. No shit. It was their little hut for their restaurant. So you That's can go there, pay extra to, to sleep on that particular Main Street island, yeah, yeah. sleep in the hotel, and then walk across the island to the restaurant, and you can order a trout, and they go in there and net it out of the, the pen Is there a, and wait, cook it right there. <clears throat> Jess would ask, like... Does the hotel have a swimming pool? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's it does, got right? Lake Titicaca. That's about it. Yeah. So as long okay. as you're not swimming by the by the the bathroom raft, I think you're good. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think we can make that work. Yeah. So um, <laughs> so so on our way home, uh, I wanted to try and get a little more info out of him about fishing and the local fish culture because, like I said, that wasn't a big part of the of the of the um, tour. So so I managed to get a little one-on-one time with Cesar. Uh, to discuss the fish ID guide he gave me. And he even clued me in on a little bit of their local hangover treatment. Uh, However, I will uh, preface this clip by saying at this point, we were in the cabin of the boat on the way back to the mainland. That's not a good place to have a hangover. No, not at all. (laughs) Uh, A lot of fumes going on on that boat. Um, But he, so, so you'll hear a lot of background noise of the boat engine, so I apologize for that. But um, Ralphing and all that other it stuff. It is too. what it is. So, yeah. um, 
So you'll kind of have trouble hearing some of what he's saying, but hopefully uh, you'll be able to make it out. The local fish, this is the only local fish, no trout, no kingfish. It's the maximum, the 24 centimeters. What are the names of some of those? Is this a suche? Suche? Oh, the the Maori. Which was the one that they were catching and feeding to the trout? This yeah. One? Yeah, yeah, this is it. Uh, this and this, they cut in the pieces. All of these local fish. It's cheaper, no, it's uh, only five cents, one, uh, one kilo no, of the local fish. Do they sell the fish in Bruno? Yeah, no, they sell them. Oh, they do? Yeah, every, every day is, they carry the fish to Bruno. But uh, there is a market uh, where we make the fish soup. We call uh, over Hanover. Hanover? Hanover? Hanover. Normally when the person... Uh, uh, oh, Hanover. Hanover. So they make a, a fish soup from the local fish for the hangover? Yeah, it's very good. Fish soup hangover treatment? That... Apparently. Sounds more like a hangover problem. <laughs> that is gross. I guess it depends on no whether no. or not you like fish soup. No, that's a no. Big big fat bowl of nope. Well, have you had pupfish soup? Have you? No, but I also didn't have a hangover on Lake Titicaca. But if I did, you I'd would, be open to try it. I guess. I I don't know how I feel about that. Like you might be leaving a bit of yourself in Lake Titicaca. <laughs> <laughs> People on the islands go out to the lake to fish, or do they only fish the, the small they local fish? They go fish? out, uh, five kilometers, they go outside to put a fish net. Oh, they have larger fish nets that they use for the trout? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, this is, yeah, it's a serious time, yeah. Uh, 45 minutes from Puna, we have this film. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, lo- I love the fish pictures, because we, <laughs> yeah. we're very interested in fish. And um, we're very interested. We're in very fish. interested in fish. <laughs> you don't say. Um, this guy's probably like, "What is with this dude and his <laughs> wife?" <laughs> um, he no, he was really cool about it, yeah. especially because it was his guide we were going through. Right. Um, so we also got to talk to uh, Captain Wilbur, our captain of, of our particular boat. Uh, he's an Uros local, and uh, he got to tell us a little bit about his favorite ways to eat the local fish. Es caro es local, es un poco pequeño. ¿Y qué es bueno para comer? Pauritos, carachos, humanos. ¿Este? Sí. Es mucha espina. Tiene mucha espina. ¿Mucha espina? Espina. Ah, de bones. You speak pretty darn good español. I, uh. Well. I mean, I, I know, I know why. Yeah. Well, for for all the people in Fish Nerd Land out there, um, the background to that is um, he I was s- actually a drug lord. Yeah, I was a, I was a, a Mexican years. drug diving drug lord. Drug lord. No, yes. um, he took I, care of their grow their grow out. I, I spent about <laughs> uh, a year and a half, almost two years, in uh, Baja, Mexico, uh, working on a tuna farm there. Um, I was performing experiments with striped bass and yellowtail and net pins on this giant tuna farm. And um, I was the only representative of my company out there. So I got to go live in Baja during the week 
and just hang out with all these uh, Mexican divers. And I didn't speak the language going there, so a lot of my Spanish is really rough right. and crude. But um, no, but I'll, I'll say something, and your wife might not appreciate this, but you have a better accent. <laughs> I, it may be a better <laughs> accent, but my my uh, my grammar and conjugation is terrible. That's okay. Um, but I get by. I get by. You, yeah, seriously, you did what? You're doing good. To the super school, this, 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 to the super, no. This is good to the, to the, only to the, to fly. To fly? Uh, if you fly this, no, it's the corner that hits. Speak, no? <laughs> but uh, we use, uh, we, we make the soup with this. But to fly this good. We eat all, with the bones. Uh, oh, you eat, you eat them all? Have you ever had, like, deep-fried whole small fish before? Uh, yeah, I went to um, uh, the UC Davis party hosted oh, yeah. at Peter Moyle's house, right. and it was... Uh, Delta smelt? It was... Yeah, it was... It was fish of <laughs> the Sassoon Marsh yeah. was the theme. That's cool. So, um, like, I made etouffee with the local little tiny shrimp there. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things was whole fried uh, inland silver sites. Yeah. That's and what we used yeah. to have. So back where I grew up on Long Island, I would go out to the beaches in the summertime and the um, the Latino families would be down there and they'd use like 100 foot seines and they would pull in tons of snapper, which uh, not everyone calls them snapper, but baby bluefish mm-hmm. um, and, and silver sides. And they'd just fry them right up on the beach, like right there. Yeah, and it's, it's okay. It kind of freaked me out as a kid because I didn't really understand like that that was okay. But I tried it, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's pretty darn good." I really, yeah. I really like deep fried smelt. I mean, anything that's deep fried is tasty, yeah, right? Of course, right. Um, so, so this final clip. This is just basically still we're on the boat here, and uh, this is Cesar uh, finishing up the conversation, just talking about the um, ecological impact the non-natives have on uh, Lake Titicaca. And the only other fish are kingfish and trout. Yeah, no, the problem is the, the trout fisher. is in the lake. It's a free. Huh? Oh, they're free to move. But the problem, we saw the net. What's happened if you don't give the, the food to the trout? And the trout will cut the net. Oh, so the, the, net the trout will, will bite through the net and leave? Yeah, leave to the lake. We leave to the lake to Chicago. But, uh, but because in every world we have trout, 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 trout. They escape they a lot. escape a lot. But the problem is the trout, we eat the local fish. They eat the local fish? Yeah. That's the problem everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a good thing those trout taste good. Yeah. <laughs> Six continents later. But not here. Not here. Here, not here we here. strive to actually conserve the disappearing native the native population. rainbows, yeah. 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 But anyway, um so that's it. The Uros. Cool trip. The floating island people of Lake Titicaca. Very cool stuff. It was an awesome trip. They this was uh we were pretty burnt out by the end of this. Mm-hmm. Really burnt out actually it and ready like to you be were home. Sick, yeah. And it was awesome because this was by far the coolest part of all of Peru for Lauren and I, was, were these guys, and this was the very last thing we did. So we really did get to end it on a high note. Not going to say I'm not jealous of your trip. Uh, I wouldn't blame you. It was a pretty fun trip. Man. <laughs> but Man. Um, So I have one, one little final segment here just to kind of send us off 
with some of Cesar's final words on the people themselves cool. and an actual goodbye from the tribe to us. So um, this is Fish Guy Josh. And this is Amazing James. And, and this, this is F and West. Okay, these people, uh, they are living on the floating island because they didn't want to pay the tax to the Inca. They decided to be in the floating island, no? And actually, these people, they are free. Are free. Oh, todos a la playa. Oh, oh. Uh, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
Nice, so. nice. So you can cook it. Yeah, exactly. very good. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the subtitle here is the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office said the man stole drugs from a drop box from expired medications by using a fishing hook. No, oh, you know, that's hardly stealing. I, you know, I think you're right. Otherwise, all fishermen would be called theft, like stealing. Right. Right. He, you know, he, I mean, it sounds like it was a game of chance. No, he was trash picking. Yeah. Like it was, I mean, it was, it, it was a, it was a drop box for expired medication, right? Right. So how's that stealing? I know. I mean, it seems like... like, So anytime a homeless guy reaches in a trash can and has a hamburger, is he stealing? It depends if he's fishing for it. Did he have a license to fish for it? Oh, that's what this is about. (laughs) It's about proper licensing. I think he probably didn't have a prescrino, a... uh, Oxycodone license. <laughs> I didn't. Well, he's in a in a random medicine box, really. So he could right. be just as easily getting codeine as, uh, you know, birth control pills. Right. He's gonna, right. He's gonna, the, you know, now he's going to eat whatever comes out of there. Right. I admire him. Right. Well, the birth control is considered trash fish in this situation. Well, but if you're hungry enough. If you're hungry enough, and you know, if you take enough, I suppose it gives you a buzz. Right. And most of the pills, people peel labels off these things. So you got only one way I know what they do. I'm going to take some birth control, some Xanax, some Lexapro, (laughs) whatever. I don't know. What's Lexapro? I don't know. I'm just making lists. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well done. Benadryl. Benadryl. (laughs) Really sleeping right now, and I can feel my boobs growing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, it's Friday night. Yeah. Party time. (laughs) So the story, I don't know if we need to read the story. I think we pretty much got it. Um, yeah, the guy's the name story. was Christian Gluby. Uh-huh. He's 46. Isn't that a sad claim to fame? Well, I'm looking, it's like, hey. I'm looking at the photo of him. Yeah. And he doesn't look 46. I know. He looks, he looks what do you think, older, right? I'm thinking 66, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're fishing for prescription drugs... And I wonder if he was dead sticking. Like, it, was he so stupid that he just put it there and wait for it to, you know, to bite back? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, no, he was, in pos- he was in possession, so he got him. Yeah, he did. He did get some. So, stop. He was charged with petty theft, possession of uh, bur- burglary tools, prowling. Now, Dave, and pos- burglary tools. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's have a talk about that. <laughs> I'm looking at a photo of his burglary tools. Yes. I'm guilty. I know. Yeah, we have we have burgling tools as well. Yeah, it looks like a uh, Albie Mac, Daddy Mac jig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, it does. Uh, a little it, bit of fishing line. <laughs> that's it. It's exactly what it looks like. Uh, exactly what's in my truck right now. <laughs> well, maybe you should be investigated for Dropbox. Uh, you know, and actually, I may, maybe we're just really low budget. We go to like the clothes drop off boxes right. and try to fit stuff out of there. All right, if I get a bra, I win. Winner! Screw you, Planet Aid. <laughs> uh, so pretty much they spotted the guy doing this, and they went, hey, stop it. And they arrested him. Uh, it says the guy, Coolby, used a fishing hook and a cord to pull syringes and drugs from the box. Ooh, syringes. Uh, at the time of his arrest, deputies took into custody a variety of drugs as well as the homemade fishing rig. He was booked into jail on a $2,500 bond. Wow. Now, if he had $2,500, he wouldn't be stealing the drugs. I know. I know. That whole... That's crazy. You know, I think think if you want them that bad, 
Yep. In a free society. Look at he's so sad looking. Let him I know. Drugs. Give the guy a break. Especially the drugs that nobody wants. Right. Who's he hurting? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Live free or die. Yeah, I'm voting for Gary Johnson. Screw this. Oh. <laughs> That's the libertarian candidate, right? That's right. Well, he would he would be in support of this guy catching his own drugs. He would. Yeah. You know, especially people always complain that, you know, drug addicts are lazy. At least this guy had some initiative, right? He wasn't stealing from people. I know. He wasn't hurting anybody. He just I know. Really and he wanted was even, some drugs. And he was even giving the drugs a, a fair chance. Uh, I think he's an environmental hero. <laughs> I think so, too. He's reuse, reuse. Yeah. 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 He should go do school programming. <laughs> I think so, too. I think he should do seminars at Bass Pro Shop. Excellent. <laughs> That's a great idea. I'd go to that one. I would, I would go so one. go to that one. Like most fishing <laughs> seminars, I'm not going to sit through, but that one, I'm I'm there. <laughs> oh, man. So here's how you get drugs from <laughs> from a trash can. Seminar two. Here's how you get drugs from a garbage can. <laughs> Seminar three. Operation Medicine Cabinet. Prescription drug drop-off. Here's how you die. <laughs> but you'd have to title, like, you know, the top ten secrets for getting drugs out of, you know... Oh, I'm seeing click, clickbait here now. Yeah, clickbait kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right, so, so that's, I think we've squeezed every bit of information <laughs> out of that. His, so. I'm looking at his picture. I just feel... I want to hug him. I know. God. I know. And it, it, it is. It's very sad because... Like I said, if that's what he's going to be, his claim to fame is, because I bet that's it. I bet that's the only time he's ever made it in the paper. Mm-hmm. And it's for that. Oh, man. So, well, I know, uh, I'm betting he's single. Yeah, and I bet he's a metal detector. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing that uh, fish in the news. You were right. It was perfect fish in the news. It's sad. It is sad, but perfect. Uh, the next one comes from Gizmodo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Gizmo do had a couple of them actually. This first one reads: Scientists create robotic Terminator to hunt Darwin's nightmare fish. <laughs> Is that an awesome title? It's or what? A very good title, and I don't know what that means. That's just kick-ass titles, what that is. So the the story reads: Hordes of lionfish have been roaming the Atlantic for several decades. Right, and but they lack natural predators. Why aren't they called Pride? That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Or whatever the, yeah. you know. A wee mowee, a wee mowee. We mowee, a wee mowee. A lionfish stings tonight. Any words? Hordes of lionfish been roaming the Atlantic for several decades. A wee! Anyway. They have um, a ration. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, we should stop. Now, now there's a new foundation devoted to building robots to hunt them down. Oh, I love this. <laughs> so the prototypes are under development are technically cousins to robotic vacuum cleaners. Because oh, it's okay. my robot, right? Right, exactly. I used to have yeah. a Roomba. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. That's what happened to it? Because I, I, I would think that would be awesome. It is awesome, but then they break. Oh. And then they end up sitting around for years because you don't want to throw away such an expensive piece of tech, but what do you do with it? That's true. When it breaks, it breaks. That's right. 
call um, iRobot up. So anyway, go ahead. Well, maybe you can augment it to be a, a, a lionfish killer. Well, as you read this story, I'm going to, in my head, make comparisons to my, uh, my, my robot. Oh, okay. So um, it goes quickly into lionfish have been dubbed Darwin's Nightware because they are tremendously adaptable. It's true. And they are flexible in what they wait eat. Wait a minute, they wait, a minute wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Darwin's Nightmare? I know. You would think it would be Darwin's dream. You want to talk about a winning animal? A I know. nightmare would be a panda. <laughs> it doesn't belong on this planet anymore. That's true. Like we just need to get rid of them. Stop wasting our efforts on them. They don't want to be here. They want to eat bamboo and not have sex. Screw them. <laughs> like, would you want to hang out with anyone who doesn't eat, who just eats bamboo and doesn't want to have sex? Like, they're, they're just no fun. <laughs> Like, like, I don't care how cute they are. I know. Like I've dated women like that. No, I'm just some bamboo. Um, okay, well, let's at least have sex. Well, no, I'm too busy growing hair in weird places. All right. Well, all, right. All, right. all right. Maybe you don't want to be I know. That would be Darwin's nightmare. Yeah. God. Some hippie chick right. listening to fish. I know. Yeah. So, uh, so they the say... Go and eat Ben and Jerry's. You're never going to get any. <laughs> So lionfish are terrible, and they have venomous spines, uh, uh, which which discourage predators, right? So that that that's where we're at with these, right? Um, but then the story goes on and says the only thing we can do is to try to eat them," said marine biologist Christy Wilcox. Oh, they're all in on the eating these fish. I love it. Yeah, they are all in uh, because they are venomous as opposed to poisonous. So they got that right. Mm-hmm. They are perfectly edible. Right. So the the trick is just to cut out that uh, that venom, and you're good to go. Perfect. So what's this robot? So the robot, see, blah, 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 blah. Okay. That's where Rise is, and that's the name of the company now. That's the iRobot, only different. It's called Rise. Prototype Robotic Harvester comes into play. Cool. The first model uses a pressure-powered spear gun <laughs> to humanely hunt the lionfish. Uh-huh. Uh, which should, and it'll start field testing this month. They have a second prototype that is designed to zap the lionfish with electricity. Cool, pre-cooking them. I know. Uh, and that has a robotic arm rigged with two metal electrodes to do that. Oh, I love it. Look at the drawing of that thing. I know, it's isn't like that awesome? It's a spaceship cut with missiles and electricity and lightning bolts. It's really cool. I know. Uh, the two prototypes include video cameras so that pilots can guide the robots through the water and with the ultimate goal to build an wow. autonomous underwater robot to hunt lionfish. That's a job, Dave. Someone has a job driving a robot <laughs> catching fish. No, murdering lionfish. I need to talk to that person. Do they wear a pith helmet? I can only assume that, and they have an eye patch. Oh, that's, and they're going on safari every day. I know. Oh. We have to find one of those people. Wouldn't that just be awesome? They ought to team up with um, Xbox and just have a bunch of pimply-faced teenagers go out and kill lionfish. Oh God, think of the money they would save. I know! Uh, they, didn't, they should ask <laughs> us before they do anything from now on. <laughs> they would make money on that adventure. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Kill the lionfish. Love it. Man, that's cool. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Uh, the last story comes from Gizmodo 2. Gizmodo. <laughs> As, uh, yeah. Uh, researchers turned fish scales into a renewable power source. Really? They burn them? Yes. No. no. It's even more bizarre than that. 
So uh, it talks about, so the story goes, we eat fish and throw away the scales. But now researchers have figured out a reason those fish scales might be worth saving. So a new paper in Applied Physics Letters today details a method for transforming fish scales into an energy harvester. Researchers process the raw scales to make them flexible and then attach two electrodes to each scale before laminating them. <laughs> Every the, scale is laminated individually? Yes. <laughs> the resulting cell <laughs> could then the resulting cell could then harvest energy from movement around it, including motion as simple as just vibrations or even a heartbeat. Wow. It, the goal is the researchers suggest that they could one day use this as a power source for pacemakers. What? Yes. So, wait a minute. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm visualizing this. So you're a pacemaker, mm -hmm. and they take a patch of skin in your arm, replace them with wired up electrodes hooked up to fish scales. No. No. They put, they put the fish scales that have been laminated and treated, and they actually have a cool name for these things. They're called biopezoelectric nanogenerator. Oh, that's awesome. What a great name. <laughs> what a great name. Yeah. Uh, and so they would put that near the heart. So when the heart beats, it causes the scale to flex, which causes electricity, which charges the pacemaker and makes the heart beat again. Wow. <laughs> you could never die. You could never die. This is this is like a Tony Stark kind of thing. That's totally cool. <laughs> wow. So, and and that's from wasted fish scales. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. God, I would I would I didn't expect that. I know, I know. Isn't that incredible? It's really cool. And just imagine if you did if you use scales like gar scales, you know, super tough ones. Right. That's what I was kind of thinking. I was thinking, okay, you want to really be efficient, go big, right? Right. Go gar, big. Gar carp. Carp would be awesome. Yeah. What else is big scales? Ah, uh, see, but I think mullet maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. But gar, gar certainly do, yeah. and um, and so do carp. Carp get real big. Also, uh, buffalo. Those get big too. Excellent. Wow, that's cool. Good stories. Yeah, I know. So there you go. Fish in the news. Wow. Good news. Love that. Stump, Stump the, the Fish, fish Nerds. Well, I love Stump the Fish Nerds. Yeah, now this uh, Stump the Fish Nerds is our occasional subject where you can call into 607-378-FISH, leave us a voicemail, and we will answer the question. This came in from Carl Hayes, but through Facebook, which we also accept. Although, <laughs> we do true. do an audio show, so our preference is a phone call. Mm, yeah. So, Carl Hayes, he's from Pennsylvania, wants to know... Uh, what's the craziest bait you've ever used to catch stocked trout? Mine is Velveeta cheese. My uncle showed it to me, and I was and I called BS. And lo and behold, he pulls out three trout in ten minutes out of a hole. Wow! <laughs> there of, you go. Out of a hole, Dave. Out of a hole, just a hole. So, what's your craziest trout bait? <sighs> you know, stockies will eat about anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think my craziest trout bait. Hmm. Um, I would say I have during during one time where they had just stalked them, and I was wondering if I could catch them with anything. I think I actually took a leaf off of a uh, of something near me, I, I, like a shrub, and uh, I'm pretty sure they hit that leaf. Of course they did. Yeah. So I, I would say a leaf. Yeah, I haven't done any crazy bait for trout. I've done weird bait for other fishes, but not for trout. Oh, like what? Like, I, you know, the hot dog for anything in the ocean will eat a hot dog. 
Mm, that's true. You have done that. I've done uh, marshmallows. Oh, I've done marshmallows for trout. That's weird. Yeah, marshmallows are weird, especially if you use Lucky Charm marshmallows. Oh, I've never done that. You know, clover and, and uh, moons. And blue diamonds. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, never done it. But that, cool. that'd, be, that'd be interesting to use those Lucky Charm marshmallows and see which one's better. Or what color works best. Yeah. yeah. Now, for carp, I have used Cheerios. And you've caught them. Yes. And mine's Works really well. I've never used. I've, I've only ever caught one carp, and that was on Wonder Bread. So mm. not that's a good lot though. of carp experience. Yeah. A lot, I mean, I've had a lot of experience fishing carp, but not a lot of catching experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that's dumped the fish. And there's really like one call there, Dave. Yeah, that's and that's yeah, but that's uh, there you go. There you go. We maybe we'll start a little Facebook discussion on crazy baits. Yeah, people chime in and they'll they'll say you know chicken livers and they'll say all sorts of things. I can't wait, and then we should just try them all. Yeah, that's true. We should try them all. Yeah, Put them all together in one. I keep saying we, Dave. So there's there's been a a heaviness on the show tonight that I felt. <laughs> And it could be the tacos I ate. It could be I'm the tacos sure. you ate. It could be the beer I just drank. Mm-hmm. I'm having an organic beer. An orgasmic beer? What? Organic. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Organic. Organic beer. But anyway, I, I think we need to let the elephant out of the room here, Dave, and tell people why we're making this show tonight. What's going on? <laughs> well, it's a regular show with the exception that it's likely my last show. Likely. It's so sad, Dave. It, it is sad, yet it's, you know... It's, it is what it is. Sometimes it's time. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it is time, exactly. And I feel like we've ended on a good one. Um, I, I thought, so. yeah, I know, I think, I think it was good. But, um, yeah, it's been at least five years or something. It's been a long time. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of a little bit ran out of steam. But, you know, what have you. It, yeah. it can, you never know. Yeah, and we'll still see you on uh, on the Facebook pages and all that stuff. And I'm sure I'll have you as an expert occasionally on the show as a guest. Yeah, as soon as I find out what I'm an expert on. Uh, yeah. Well, you're an expert on fish nerds. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. So here's here's so this show is my first attempt at mixing a show. So any kind of audio issues usually Dave's fault. Tonight, all <laughs> me, all me. So, so I'm sure I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll just be fine. Yeah. So I just did turn it, it turned it about me instead of about you. But Dave, I gotta tell you, uh, there's nobody else who I think would have gone on five years hanging out with me talking about fish. <laughs> That's true. I, I don't understand how we got to this point, or, or we would never <laughs> plan to get to this point, but here we are. So Yeah, I know. It was, it, yeah, it's been, been really great. Yeah, so it's been, it has been really great, and I really appreciate all the, all the fun we've had together. I was going through all the photos, and uh, I wasn't crying or anything, but I was getting really nostalgic the other day, so it was, it's really good. Memories like the color of my mind. Yeah, exactly. Misty watercolor memories <laughs> of the way, of the way we, were. we were. Scattered pictures <laughs> of the smiles we left behind. Smiles we shared with one another. <laughs> of the way, of the way we were. We were. <laughs> So, nice. Yeah, thank you. Boy, that's a good way to say never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You're fired. 
That's it. So that is it. That's it. You've listened to a few fish nerds when you should have been fishing. Yeah, we like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast. Go on Fishing Quest and do all sorts of silly things that middle-aged guys do. If you would like to support the fish nerds, uh, call me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Special thanks to Jeff Donaldson for uh, turning in the Fish in the News, and a special thanks to Carl Hayes. And special thanks to you, Dave, for five years of nerdiness. And until next time, follow the code of the fish nurse, bond early and often. Avoid free lunches with strings attached. And swim against the current every chance you get. How's your health, Dave? How's my health? How's your heart doing? (laughs) It's fine. Yeah, you don't sound very good.